Hey, beauty pros, welcome to Beauty Business Breakthroughs. My name is Shara, your guide to success in the beauty industry. In each episode, I'm going to be sharing my tips, tricks, and real life experiences. Plus, we'll bring in industry experts to drop their game-changing advice. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, get ready for practical insights that will elevate your beauty business. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining us today on Beauty Business Breakthroughs. I have the opportunity to be sitting here with Chad. Chad, thank you so much for joining us. It is my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you are working on. So I have a kind of a boutique wealth building or wealth management firm up in Anchorage, Alaska. We do a lot of financial planning, retirement planning, but really it's coaching. It's helping people use finances and investing to build a better life, have more freedom and flexibility, and ultimately experience more abundance. So we've got clients all across the country manage close to half a billion dollars now, about $450 million dollars. Okay families all across the U.S. and just trying to help them to utilize finances and money as a tool to create a better life for themselves and a better future. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you get started in that industry? (laughs) Well, I have a very indirect path. Let's just say that. So my formal education is more on the medicine route. I have a degree in biochemistry. I did not intend to get into this industry But like a lot of your listeners, I wanted a job or rather a business that I owned and not a business that owned me. And as an entrepreneur, it's really easy for the business, the job, your employees, in a sense, to own you. And you're tied to that thing. You're tied to your cell phone. You have no freedom and flexibility. And in the medicine space, I didn't care about working 80, 100 hours a week and having no life balance. And then I met the woman who's now my wife. And okay. she did not want, she did not want that life. She did not want a hotshot surgeon. She wanted a husband. She wanted a family. She wanted kids. She wanted somebody to raise them with. So I right. had to really think some things. So I actually started another business before this one. And it wasn't, for me, it wasn't a long-term plan, but I started okay. uh, training athletes and I started working with some Olympians, some professional athletes. And it was a business that allowed me to scale relatively quickly. But I, okay. I knew I didn't want to do it for, for 20, 30 years. So I built that up and then trying to figure out what am I going to do with a biochemistry degree? And do I want to look at maybe a different area of medicine that isn't as intense? And ultimately, I looked at this as a way to still have a huge impact in somebody's life and be able to change right. not just their finances, right. but the trajectory of their future. And to be able to do it in a way that if I was careful... I could still have really good work-life balance. Now, there's a lot right. of people who don't in this field. So I don't care what business you have. If it's a beauty salon, if you own your own dental practice, or if you're right. a wealth manager, the business can always steal your freedom, but it can also help you build it. It's just, it's a vehicle that you have to direct appropriately. But I felt like for me, this line of work was going to be a better fit to still have the impact I wanted to have on people around me without Mm -hmm. sacrificing myself or my family for it. 
Right. No, I completely agree. And I, I absolutely love the fact that you kind of had to sit back and, and look at yourself and say, hey, okay, is this career worth me going after and continuing? Or is this woman who I want to call my wife and build a family and a life and a legacy with, do I need to make some alterations? So kudos to you on that. She must be a, a wonderful, wonderful woman. But I do like how you kind of bring it back to being able to say, hey, this is a career that I'm still be able to make an impact in people's lives. You know, obviously when you're a surgeon, you're making an impact in their physical life, right? Whereas in this aspect, you're able to assist them with your training, you know, in their physical life and, and their mental, and then also in their financial life. So tell us a little bit about how you went ahead and were able to scale up. Like, when did you realize that you had the opportunity to scale up your business? Okay. So let's start on the fitness side in my, in my training business. So I was, I had a background in athletics and again, that was not something I wanted to do as a career. And at that point in my life, I really didn't have a strategy for how to scale that into a business that would pay me while I wasn't at work. So that was kind of something holding me back. Now, looking back, I have ideas on if I was to go through that again, on how to scale it, how to make it more sustainable. But back then, I was only getting paid for the hours that I worked. So it allowed me to scale quickly. It took about two, two and a half years before I was making about $100,000 a year. And this is back in like you know 2002, 2003, when $100,000 was worth something before all this crazy right. inflation, right? Now that's, that's nothing to sneeze at anymore. It's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, but what I was hitting, Cher, was a ceiling. I was running out of hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to start a financial practice, but there was so much fear, that fear of failure, the fear of the unknown. And honestly, it was there's a comfort zone. I was mm-hmm. making pretty good money and I was coming home with cash every single day. And mm-hmm. it was consistent. I booked out clients. I was starting to double up folks. I was giving mm-hmm. people discounts. They want to train together. Like, you know, right. maybe this professional fighter, he's got a similar workout routine to mm-hmm. an Olympic skier and right. we're going to let him work out together. Cause I was running out of space in the day, mm-hmm. but it wasn't scaling. And I, and I, and I, I was realizing I can't build this sustainably. It, I will eventually be the lid to this. So I started my financial practice with horrible timing. It was 2007. And this was right as the the financial meltdown started. So I was licensed. I got my licenses within two weeks of the beginning of the global meltdown. So this was fall of 2007. I had a little baby girl on the way and no experience, no marketing, not even really a business plan. I would not recommend anybody doing this. It was really, really rough. It was arguably one of the most difficult times to start any business in the financial industry, but we made it through. And it it took about six years to get that business to produce as much income as I was making training athletes. Wow. But, But six years after that, I was making more money in a month than I would make in a full year training. So it took a while to build that momentum. But then because I was able to build it sustainably, I was able to to scale. 
that it was a hockey stick curve. It just kept on building. So they're very, very different business models. But at the end of the day, I was coaching individuals. I was not just giving them a product. I was mm-hmm. helping them be a better operator of that product. And, and that can go across any industry. I don't care Absolutely. what you're doing or what you're selling as a service. But if you can, if you can change people from the inside out, even mm-hmm. if you're selling a product, like that's where the loyalty comes from. That's where the impact mm-hmm. comes from. And for me, that's where my own passion comes from. Absolutely. I love that. You know, and I think very similar to your story, even though you switched gears, if you will, you switched industries. For me, I was providing services and with a service-based industry, you, like you said, you are the cap. There's a ceiling. There's only so many days in the week, there's only so many hours in a day, you can only provide so many services, you know, in order for you to really scale up, you have to like grow a team, right? Which obviously for people who are interested in that, that's a great opportunity. That's a great idea. However, you're still tied to this calendar, right? You're still tied to and committing yourself to being somewhere at a certain time and providing that service. And so with me being able to go from providing beauty services to then scale into the online space, right, of providing the courses and the coaching. And even though I'm tied to a calendar, I'm tied to a calendar from New York, right? I'm tied to a calendar from Miami or Portugal or Panama or wherever you want to be. And so I love that you were able to say, okay, this might take a little bit longer, but in the end, the bigger goal is for you to have more of that freedom, right? And be able to scale your business for more reasons than just the money side of things. So what would you say is some of the ways that you have found that have helped you when it comes to, because you still have clients, right? You're still providing a service. It's just a different type Mm -hmm. of service. So what are some of the ways that you have been able to like really improve on your customer service? And I'm asking this, it's two part because I I actually kind of was laughing at myself recently. I ran across an old message that I had in my inbox from a follower on social media. And my old customer service mind was, When somebody reached out to me, I was like, well, did you look at my website? Did you read my FAQs, right? Go back and look for it, right? Look for the answer. And now I'm like, oh, would you like a link? Here, let me send you the link. You know, so seeing that progression of customer service and the transition, right? I'm just curious to know for you, what are some of the ways that you have improved on your customer service? And really been able to like build those relationships with your clients to where they feel like this is not just a business relationship. We're actually building something together, right? Because especially when you're dealing with finances, there has to be that level of trust, right? Absolutely. And, and trust is huge. That's the biggest piece. Having trust and, and respect. Those are two trust and respect because when folks are coming to us, they're entrusting us with their their life savings, with their family's financial future. If somebody is, you know, whether it's beauty service or anything in more your world than mine, like you're trusting the way you look, the way you show up, you trust your confidence. You're still trusting a lot to somebody. And there's some hesitation. There's some anxiety. I mean, with my wife, I mean, she'll be like, oh, I got it. 
Yeah, I had, to, I had to try out a new hair person. Like, oh, I don't know if she's going to be good. And if she's screwed up, like, how long do you have to live right. with that? So, like, there's people want that relationship. And I think it's getting the, to the point where we drop the client relationship piece. And people don't even think about, like, client relationship versus personal relationship. They just look at you and say, I have a great relationship with Shara. They're mm-hmm. not, in their mind, they're not even dividing. She's my friend. She's my service provider. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. by instilling that trust and really building that relationship, we shift from being a service provider to mm-hmm. really a knowledge worker. We're, right. we're passing on information, not just a service or a product. And then that that product or service, that can be commoditized, but we still mm-hmm. hang on to our customers because they're not really buying the product or service. They're buying you. Absolutely. You are what they're paying for. And it's making that shift. That's where the business can scale and grow. No, 100%. You know, and I, excuse me, I do talk to my followers and my listeners about that all the time, you know, because I was building the beauty business in the middle of the pandemic. So I can very much relate to your, your struggle of, you know, getting into the financial industry, 2007, 2008, when it was for the lack of a better word, a, a shit show, right? But people were coming exactly. to me. That's a good definition, right? Description. But people were coming to me, not because I was providing this amazing service, right? Like I was no better than the next person. It was because they were coming for me, right? The relationship that I was building with them and they were looking forward to, hey, I've got my weekly check-in with Shara type of thing. And so I 100%, you know, would agree with you. So I recently had talked about it being the holidays and I had gone to get my nails done. And as I went to leave and I was paying, my nail provider giving me a bottle of wine. And I'm like, it's so freaking nice. Like, I didn't expect that, right? Caught me off guard. Now, for all I know, it was a $3 bottle of wine from, from Walmart. Like, I really don't care. What was the thought that counts? And so I'm just curious to know if there's any type of thoughtful thing that you do with your clients to kind of really reinforce that relationship with them, maybe during their anniversary or their birthday or the holidays or, you know, anything along those lines. So right here, these are anniversary cards that my team has given me to send out. I have to fill them out. We're taking next week off and I have the opportunity to have a team that gives me those reminders say, hey, here's your clients have birthdays, anniversaries next week. And my team knows these dates too. So if somebody calls, they know the things are happening in people's life. Like, oh, you know, Mr. Mrs. Smith, how was your cruise on the Mediterranean? And people realize they're not just a person. And especially in the area of finances, when somebody opens up their finances to you, they're hopes and dreams, their fears, their mistakes, there's not much that is off limits at that point. Cause those right, are the very right. intimate That's things. The ultimate. But you know what? I mean, but you know, working in, in the beauty industry, like there's a lot of intimacy there too. And you, you sit with somebody, you're getting your nails done, your, your hair right. done, uh, maybe a, a procedure and you're talking to that person for an hour. I mean, people open right. up and it goes both right, ways. Right. So right. I, I think it's, Figuring out how to connect with that person beyond the industry that you're in, beyond asking them questions about their skin and their hair and and their appearance and things like that. Because what you're doing is you're trying to get somebody to feel the beauty that's already inside them. Like that is your job, right? Right. And 
for us, it isn't a money thing. It's a confidence thing. So right. in, in some ways, we're very much doing the exact same thing. We're giving Absolutely. people the confidence to move forward in life towards their goals, towards the person they want to become and where they want to be. We're just doing it through different ways. So we have to be able to connect on a different level. It can't just be for me, finances, and for you, beauty, cosmetics, those types of things. So finding out what they really love, finding out what ticks, finding out what matters to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll find out that a client really likes a certain football team and, you know, find a signed card on eBay for 30 bucks from their, their favorite running back or something. It's not huge. And sometimes it's just as simple as my team calling the day before and saying, Miss Jones, you have an appointment with Chad tomorrow. What type of coffee or tea would you like? Mm-hmm. And you know, we spent a couple thousand bucks on a nice, I can't remember mm-hmm. it's called like a Jura coffee maker thing, but it makes mm-hmm. a really nice cup of coffee and we do some specialties. I don't know that stuff. They know right. all that stuff. They're like, we have to buy a coffee maker that is simple enough and dumbed down enough where you can just push a button and make it work. But like, that's their world. But, they, but it, we all work together to make that experience. And you're right, it, a simple gesture Asking somebody about their kid in college, like just those little Absolutely. things that make a big impact because it connects us at a human level. So, but it's funny you mentioned the anniversary cards because yeah, I'm literally looking at the cards I'm going to send out and we make notes, like the big moments in right. people's lives. And they're usually not financial. You right. know, it might be a kid graduating from college. It might be, you know, it might be a promotion. It might be a vacation they've always wanted to take. It might be, it might be a surgery they have coming up absolutely. and you just absolutely. shoot them a quick email and just say, right. Hey, I know you had that procedure on your ankle last week. How'd that go? Right. You're right. You're recovering. Okay. Like it's those little things. And I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little long winded here, Shara, but I was no, I'm you're, in the no, middle of you know what? this book right I, now. I, I love I, it. And you are right on target because I literally just talked with my followers and my listeners last week about this. So I'm, I'm loving the added benefit of, you know, these ideas. Because like you said, it is really about connecting with them on a personal level and it being something so small, it doesn't have to be a lot. So I'm absolutely loving it. Well, I just, I wanted to also just share a book with you. It's called Unreasonable Hospitality. And for your listeners, again, I don't care what industry you're in, you're running any type of business or even thinking about it. Unreasonable Hospitality is by Will Gadara. He is owner of some very, very high-end restaurants in New York. I think he's got a couple in Los Angeles, but some couple of restaurants I don't even know how to pronounce. But he, I, I heard him speak a couple of years ago, and he just came out with this book, Unreasonable Hospitality. And he's coming from the restaurant side of things, but hospitality can be applied to any industry. And Absolutely. it doesn't matter if you're doing somebody's taxes or walking their dogs, or <laughs> changing the the filters on their furnace. Like it, it doesn't right. matter. It's that deep human connection that people crave. And I think t- in today's world where, I mean, we're sitting here talking thousands of miles away on Zoom. Right. It's so easy to be distanced through technology. If you can build that human connection, mm-hmm. I believe people are thirsty for that. They, they're craving Absolutely. that. And for the people that are able to figure out how to do it that's what's going to separate you that's your differentiator mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. human connection yeah 100 i i really appreciate just kind of your tips and your advice like i said it really mirrors what i already do 
I'm saying I do, meaning this is how I built my business, right? Engaging with my followers when I was providing services, you know, engaging with the people that were coming in to get services and things of that nature, because it did, it built that relationship so that they were comfortable, confident when they were coming to see me. It was like, hey girl, you know? And I continue to do that on a daily basis with all of my my students and things of that nature. So uh, me being coming from the financial industry, I was a tax and business consultant for almost 20 years. So I understand like, you know, being able to get somebody's trust when it pertains to their their money, their taxes, their social security number, their this, that, or whatever, like that's a huge thing. So once you have that, everything else just falls in line, right? To be able to have that organic conversation with them, you know? So one last question before we we finish up here. I just want to know, like, you know, you have been an entrepreneur, you have been a successful person, professional what would you tell somebody, no matter what industry they're in, what would you tell somebody that is starting out in terms of like maybe some words of encouragement or, you know, a quote that has stuck with you and kind of helped you to persevere, you know, through the hard times? What kind of words of wisdom can you instill in my listeners today? Well, building a business is a momentum game. And just like if you were pushing a car and I'm here in Alaska. So pushing a car out of a ditch when it's roads are slick, like that's just something we do. But you know, your your car runs out of gas, you're pushing it. There's so much momentum or sorry, so much effort that it takes to just get that car to budge. And once it gets rolling, it starts moving faster and you don't have to push quite as hard. But when you're starting a business, it feels like you're pushing a car out of a ditch. You're putting in so much effort just to get it to budge and you don't see those immediate results we have to remember is the outcome is not completely in our control. The input though, is how hard we push and how often we push. So as entrepreneurs, we need to focus on inputs, not outcomes. Now the outcomes, they're important. They're measurable. That's the success in the business, but we have to learn how to connect the outcome that we want with the input that we can control. What that does gets us to focus on the right things. And entrepreneurs can be so focused on the outcome that they end up wasting their time and energy in the short term or in the in the moment or just giving up because right. their win that they're celebrating is hitting a sales goal, hitting a target, hitting a revenue stream goal or something like that. What we need to do is celebrate the inputs. Celebrate the 20 people that you called, inviting them into your service. Celebrate the 10 thank you cards that you wrote to clients because you know what? Referrals are probably going to be your best source of new clients. Celebrate the things that you can control and build momentum with small wins. I love that. That's my two cents. Awesome. That's so good. I love that. Thank you so much again, Chad, for joining us today. And if people want to be able to get in contact with you, interested in working with you, how can they reach you? Veritas Alaska is our www.veritasalaska.com and then veritas.alaska on Instagram. Awesome. Can you do me a favor and just spell that for me? Yes, it's V-E-R-I-T-A-S and then Alaska spelled out A-L-A-S-K-A. Perfect. I love it. Thank you again, Chad. And we look forward to connecting with you again. Sounds great. Thanks, Cher. It's a pleasure to be here and and an honor to talk to your guests.
that's a wrap for today's beauty business breakthroughs. I hope you found these insights valuable and actionable for your beauty business. Remember, success in this industry is within your reach. If you're hungry for more and ready to take your beauty business to the next level, consider joining our Get Fully Booked Accelerator program. We are dedicated to helping beauty professionals like you achieve extraordinary success with strategies that can take your business to 10K per month and beyond. Simply send us a direct message on Instagram, Lux Beauty and Body Co. with the word success and we'll provide you with all of the details on how you can be a part of this game-changing program. Your journey to a thriving beauty business starts now. Thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, stay inspired, stay motivated, and keep making those beauty business breakthroughs.